0: In the name of God, who has made us, and who loves us, and keeps us. Amen. I don't know, maybe the room where the disciples were gathered had gotten stuffy, windows shuttered in grief, doors locked for fear. Maybe since that morning after Mary Magdalene had announced impossibly, I have seen the Lord, their collective anxiety had only increased as each speculated whether and how her claim could be true and what its consequences might be for those who had betrayed him, denied him, and abandoned him to his death. Maybe the walls had gotten too close, the ceiling too low, the room too crowded and confused for Thomas, and he just wanted to clear his head. Maybe he went out to see the tomb for himself, the stone rolled away and the linen wrappings laid aside. Maybe the disciples were out of milk and someone needed to run to the store. For whatever reason, Thomas was not with the others when it was evening on that first day when Jesus was suddenly and incredibly there among them, seeing their woundedness, speaking reassurance, breathing resurrection, and then sending them out to do the same for others. We have seen the Lord, they said to Thomas, when he returned from whatever it was he had been doing. And I wonder if it was not doubt Thomas felt so much as disappointment. Maybe he had gone out looking for Jesus only to miss the moment that Jesus came looking for them. A week later, the story goes, they were together again, all of them this time, Note that John says, not together still, but together again. We don't know what the disciples did between that first day when they saw Jesus and the eighth. But I don't think they stayed in that room. I don't know. Maybe they went to their family and friends who had been worried about them. Maybe they walked alone, or with one or two others, or even with Jesus, talking about their fears and about forgiveness, making peace with one another and with themselves. Maybe on the streets of Jerusalem, or at work, or at school, or at home, or at the store, here and there, wherever, they went. Maybe they did practice what Jesus had sent them out to do. Maybe they practiced seeing woundedness and speaking reassurance and breathing resurrection. Maybe, once or twice, they even said to someone who had not been there when the stone was rolled away or in the room with them, maybe they said to someone who did not yet know, I have seen the Lord. All we do know is that one week later they were together again, and Jesus was again among them. And here we are, one week later, together again. Ordinarily in a sermon, I would invite us to consider where we are in this story, who We are, how we're like one character or another, how we've had experiences like theirs. This story, though, is different. We have all been where they are. Maybe some of us are there now, somewhere in the story. Maybe with the disciples, locked inside our own fears and anxieties, our grief, or shame, our expectations, our failures. Maybe with Thomas, we're missing out on what everyone else seems to have. Maybe like all of them, not just Thomas, for the Gospels tell us that none of them knew what to make of Mary's announcement. Maybe like all of them, we are prone to skepticism, to demanding proof to doubt and unbelief, but we don't have to imagine ourselves in this story. We are already in it, and I don't just mean that we can relate to it. You and I, all of us, we are actually in this story, in the pages of Holy Scripture. One week later, when the disciples were together and Jesus was among them, we were there. Have you believed because you have seen me? Jesus seems to ask only of Thomas, but it was true of the others as well, to whom on that first day Jesus had shown his hands and his side, and only then The gospel says, did they see and rejoice that it was the Lord? Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. There we are. That's us. We who have come to believe. In that room, with Thomas and all the rest, on that eighth day, on this eighth day, Jesus was telling the disciples about those to whom they would go bear witness. We have seen the Lord, and about those who would bear witness after them. A boundless community of believers whose witness to Christ would one day reach us. We are in this story, and not for the first time. Holy One, as you have sent me into the world, Jesus prayed in another room among his disciples at dinner on the night before he died. As you have sent me into the world, he prayed, so I have sent them, my disciples, into the world And I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe me through their word. That's us. That they may all be one. Already, 2,000 years before we gathered in this room this morning, we were already in the story in the prayers of our Lord and God, and in the sending forth of his disciples. These things are written, John concludes, so that you, so that we, these things are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. In John's gospel, to believe is not to be convinced in our minds, but rather to be engaged with our hearts and hands and feet and breath. To believe is to be in relationship with Jesus, to be in relationship with the body of Christ with those who have believed before us and those who will come to believe because of our witness. To believe is to be in relationship with the world, wounds and all. We are in this story, and we are as full of doubt and fear and pain and distraction as any disciples ever were. We resist the ways in which resurrection life would have us see differently. We lock our doors, afraid of letting the wrong people in or afraid of letting ourselves out to be challenged and changed. We are overwhelmed by our own griefs or shame or disappointment, by anxiety or anger or distrust. And we get preoccupied with all that demands our attention at home, at work, at school, in our civic life, or just going out for milk. And so Christians and those seeking Christ come to rooms like this one, week after week after week after week, every Sunday and Easter day as Jesus comes among us in scripture and prayer, in bread and wine, and in one another. And then we are sent out into the world ourselves to put our hands on the marks of the world's suffering, to forgive and to ask forgiveness to speak reassurance, to breathe resurrection out there, to bear witness, to be the body of Christ. It is, after all, the feet of Christ that carry a casserole to someone just home from the hospital. It is the voice of Christ that reads to school children on Tuesday and Thursday mornings. It is Christ's arm that embraces across the pew at the peace. And it is Christ's smile that greets our guests at our Tuesday morning breakfast club. Or when someone has shown us kindness, or embraced us, or welcomed us, have we not seen the Lord in that person? We are all, all, out there, too, in the story of how God so loved the world. We are all in the story of bearing wounds. We are all in the story of struggling to believe and the story of new life in Christ. This week, how will we, who have come to believe, live life in his name? How will we embody resurrection? In the words of poet Steve Garness Holmes, and it's more a prayer than a poem, you, the fear-tombed, naysaying, people-pleasing prisoner of scarcity, shame, and threat, that one has died. You are free, forgiven, accompanied, Love-enabled, miracle-powered, you are a member of the risen body of Christ. You, he writes, are those hands with holes in them that Jesus shows and says, Peace, you are the flesh, the spirit moves to do her next wonders. Don't live as if you're afraid to be crucified. Live as if you've already risen. Amen.